Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of Wigs for Wigs. I'm Joe Cook. Today I'm going to be joined once again by my usual co-host Bill Venezia. And we also have a special guest returning to the show for his second time today. And that is Judge Edward DeFazio. Judge DeFazio is a Jersey City native with over 40 years of experience in public service. He received his Bachelor of Arts degree from Fordham University and his Juris Doctorate from Seton Hall University Law School. He began his career as an assistant Hudson County prosecutor and rose through the ranks to become Homicide Unit Chief. He then served as Chief Judge of the Jersey City Municipal Court before returning to the prosecutor's office. A decade later, he was appointed to New Jersey Superior Court as a judge. He left the bench in 2002 to serve as Hudson County Prosecutor for two more five-year terms. In 2012, Judge DeFazio was appointed again to the Superior Court bench, where he served for seven years before entering private practice at the law firm of Bruno and Ferraro. He is licensed to practice law in New Jersey, New York, and before the United States Supreme Court. Judge DeFazio in 2006 was named Lawyer of the Year by the New Jersey Commission on Professionalism in the Law. Uh, there's nobody really more qualified to come on, certainly that we are personally acquainted with, to come on and speak with Bill and I about some of the legal issues currently facing Donald Trump uh, as we look ahead about a year out from next year's presidential election. So we're going to pause now for a quick break a quick uh, ad, and we'll be back in a moment with Bill Venezia and Judge Edward DeFazio. Stick around. We have, as we said in our intro, a, uh, a special guest here today, Judge Eddie DeFazio, uh, to discuss some legal issues. If you tuned in last season on Wigs for Wigs, we had an episode when Judge DeFazio joined us, and we're happy to have him back again. So uh, good morning, Bill and, and Judge DeFazio. Good morning, Joe. So, uh, Joe, Ed, Ed and I were, were uh, talking before uh, we started, uh, and it's, you know, we're on a precipice of, you know, Trump uh, giving testimony against his uh, attorney's best wishes uh, today in the civil trial. He's not. He decided not to. He decided not to. Okay. Uh, Ed, what does that do for, is this now, do we move to some nation? He was their final witness. Yes. In the normal course, that would mean that the uh, summations should proceed, I would assume, today. Okay. All right. And um, after so both... Just in case anybody's listening to this at a future date, we're talking about the New York civil trial involving the Trump organization uh, committing fraud in terms of their bookkeeping. Um, that's the case that we're talking about here, where Trump had said he was going to testify today as this case is wrapping up, but just this morning announced he would not be. Sorry, Bill, I just wanted to clarify for anybody. Oh, glad, uh, Joe, I, bet I haven't looked at the papers or listen to anything on the news today. So that's, that's, that's interesting news. I mean, he talks a big game. I think he wanted to use it politically, but I don't think uh, it would have helped him politically. 
you know, uh, what's he going to say that, uh, you know, everybody does this all the time <laughs> in real estate, <laughs> you know, so uh, it's, uh, it's good that it's coming to an end. Uh, my question to Ed is, uh, you know, the next up is Georgia and following Georgia in which is in January, then in March, Jack Smith's January 6th case, which of them is likely to basically be uh, coming to fruition? You know, which one of these two things? And, you know, uh, do they have a chance to be, you know, for these court cases to take place prior to the election? Well, is there a chance that they can take place prior to the election? The answer to that is certainly yes. Uh, now, the the sequence of these cases becomes, I think, a little more interesting. Uh, I can't help but wonder whether the federal authorities and the state authorities in Georgia are discussing the scheduling of these cases, because needless to say, you can't have uh, these two trials proceeding at the same time. So I think there are a lot of there are a lot of unknowns as we speak here today about when these trials are going to take place. Uh, I know that uh, the other trial, uh, the, the other federal trial with regard to the documents, I don't believe that that even has, is on the docket for, uh, I don't think the judge down there um, basically uh, has, in Florida, has given that a timetable yet. Uh, I think that's the case. So we don't know when that is. And that's, you're talking about a lot of documents that have to go back and forth. So I, I would assume that that's on the caboose of these trials. I think that's probably correct, Billy. Um, but um, it's, it's just very difficult at this point in time to predict uh, when these cases are going to take place uh, and, in, and in what sequence. Although I would, I would think that I would think that um, the federal case um, uh, concerning January sixth, I would think that that would be the um, most likely case to um, start sooner rather than later. Yeah, that that one is currently slated to start on March fourth. Um, of 2024, the January 6th case in right. Washington, D.C. And Judge Chutkin has seemed very determined to keep that date so far. Uh, she just issued a ruling the other day basically saying that all these attempts to delay are, um, I don't remember exactly the phrasing that she used, but that they're they're not practical, uh, essentially. That it's... it's um, to, to just plainly try to delay the trial until after the election has no basis in any kind of legal um, theory that he can't be tried while running for president of the United States was essentially what her um, decision the other day. You know, but, well, that was about the immunity. 
that That's he claims he has immunity uh, because he acted in the capacity of president. But but, she, but, she, but the judge added on this bit about the delaying tactics of of Trump's lawyers. Now, Ed, in a case like this, the case hasn't come to fruition yet, so it hasn't gone to trial. Uh, the, the ruling that was handed out that he has no immunity from prosecution that the trial will move forward. He asked that the charges be dismissed. Now, is that something that's appealable? You know, uh, can you appeal something that actually, you know, like the case that this hasn't come to pass this trial? Yes, that's okay. an appellate issue. Yeah, so that there's a there's a constitutional element to that because he's saying he's immune because of his constitutional duty as president, and therefore it could go to the Supreme Court in theory. Yeah, I mean, there's an obvious argument to that. I mean, it's not within the purview of the presidency, you know, the, to basically com commit a crime. You know, so uh, I mean, other judges have commented on it. Now I'm prejudiced, of course. What do you mean? When Richard Nixon said, when the president does something, that means it's not illegal. How'd <laughs> it, it work out for him? <laughs> Actually, when you think about it, I mean, there was the same GOP. I mean, you didn't, you know, they, they went to him, you know, it even shook the, the uh, underpinnings of one New Jersey congressman, uh, Charlie Sandman, a Republican from uh, South Jersey, who was a staunch Nixon ally. And, uh, you know, when he saw the preponderance of evidence, I think he went with those other congressmen to basically say, hey, listen, it's up. You know, now you have to basically resign, you know, plain and simple, because the votes are in the House, they're in the Senate, you're being impeached. So uh, that was the end of uh, Congressman Sandman's career, because he lost he lost the subsequent election. Yeah, ran for governor. Yeah. To to, when he ran for Congress, he, he actually lost the next congressional election to uh, a Democrat in what was a um, considered a Republican district. But we, we digress. That's, that's, uh, that's actually ancient history at this point. It is ancient history, but isn't it amazing that, you know, Watergate gets brought up and Watergate, see, at the time, it seemed cataclysmic to me anyway, but it's, uh, it was basically does not have the implication that a, a second Trump presidency would have with regard to all the comments that he's made, you know, uh, in the media. And I just want to uh, bring up one thing political. Robert Kagan in the Washington Post basically wrote a, a scathing uh, editorial about it. Now, he made mention in that editorial, I read it, about, well, you know, uh, blue states could basically, uh, you know, bring up articles of secession, which prompted J.D. Vance of Ohio to write a letter to Mary Garland of the DOJ st stating that, you know what, I want him, I want him in the Washington Post investigated for insurrection. So yeah. it's, it, it, it's it, it, you know, this is where we are. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh... I'll I'll, I, I'm going to go a little off point here, but I, I think no, I didn't read. I didn't read the the opinion piece uh, by Kagan, but frankly, I think some of this talk that's coming from both the right and the left is 
quite frankly, way off the mark <laughs> and, and is not doing anything to help advance the, uh, the arguments, uh, uh, political arguments. And, and I'm, I'm, a get, I'm a little frustrated. I'm a little frustrated, like I say, um, with some of with some of these opinion pieces by people who are, of course, very intelligent, and I would I would hope could be a little more a little more measured uh, in their arguments, but that's that's uh, that's just a little commentary from me, but. Going back to what we were speaking about, yeah. the issue, the issue about the trial, the January 6th trial and the appellate issues. Yeah. The the issue about immunity um is is something that is going to be ultimately litigated to the Supreme Court, as Joe said. And Do you the think question the Supreme Court is, would take up that question? I think they would. I think they would. Although, you know, I'm not I'm not sure. Hmm. And of course, before it would get to the Supreme Court, it would go to the Court of Appeals. Um and now the question would be. Is that an interlocutory appeal, meaning meaning will the appellate courts take up that issue prior to the trial mm -hmm. or will it be an appeal that would be held in abeyance dependent on the ultimate outcome of the trial? Now, if 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 the appellate court decides to take that issue uh as an interlocutory matter, needless to say, the case is going to be delayed for a, a substantial period of time. Yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen as far as that goes. So so that that there could would be no emergent relief with that. Uh, and it could be it would be, you know, not necessarily fast track. Um, and, and the arguments can be made that it's in the purient interest of the public to have the issue litigated before the election, you know, before yeah, uh, I agree. democracy. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying the appellate courts would take take uh, that issue up as an interlocutory appeal. In fact, you make you make a good argument, Billy, that they uh, would not and that they'll say, well, let's wait and see what happens with the result of the trial. And if if, in fact, Trump is found guilty at that time, uh, it's an appellate issue and we'll address it then. It, it would I it, it does seem like that's the natural progression, you know, uh, that if, in fact, uh, he is found guilty in that trial, then you appeal it to the Supreme Court. Um, you know, uh, and, and I, as in uh, Gore v, what was it, Gore v. Bush in 2000? Yes. That was taken up. Bush v. Gore. It was actually Bush, Bush v. Gore. Bush v. Gore. That was taken up almost immediately, you know, uh, because of, I guess, 
the implication of that election, you know, uh, I guess the state of Florida, those hanging chads. Um, and that one really had no choice but to be resolved immediately right. because it was dealing with the dates of the inauguration coming up and everything um, had to be settled. I see when, when you look at the implication for this, for the election, You know, and you look at uh, of the Democrats with regard to Biden's campaign, how it's not gaining any traction, even though there are a lot of things that, you know, a lot of a lot of economic issues that seem to to should be helping them and are not. Um, you know, you you wonder if, in fact, Trump is convicted of a crime, will that shake his base? And I also wonder politically if, in fact, the $75 million pledged by the remaining Koch brother to fund Nikki Haley's campaign. If that, I mean, $75 million is a lot of dough, uh, you know, and uh, it's uh, truthfully, that's gonna be an interesting thing to see uh, what transpires, you know, in those early primaries, let's put it that way. You know, um, uh, I mean, it's, is it a foregone conclusion that Trump is the party nominee? Or can St. John the Baptist Christie, you know, continue to basically uh, do some damage to him? You know, I think that's his raison d'etre, his reason to live. <laughs> and I give him a lot of credit for it because, uh, you know, he doesn't seem to have any quit in him. And I'm wondering where his money's going. It's not coming from dollar donors. Let's put it that way. You know, every time he's on ABC, he pushes this website, you know, to, uh, and I, I've gotten... Uh, phone text from his campaign to donate a dollar to his campaign. Uh, well, part of that is the RNC's requirements to qualify for debates. You have to have a certain number of donors. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I don't know. Are there any more debates left? I'm not. I'm not sure C of that. CNN is trying to schedule two more in Iowa and New Hampshire, but the okay. RNC has not approved them yet. That'd be interesting. I mean, uh, it, it it does seem that the you know the the RNC is locked in. I mean, but uh, I was surprised that they let uh, the governor of Florida, DeSantis, debate Newsom. You know, uh, I don't think, I think if anything, it, it, it hurt his chances. It didn't help his chances. Yeah, I didn't, un I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that either, Billy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as, as we were discussing before we went on air, uh, the uh, Wall Street Journal poll uh, released yesterday sh showed that, that Nikki Haley is the strongest candidate against Biden and that she's polling at 50%. Yeah. And, and a 50% polling number uh, is, is impressive. And um, the smart move, the smart move by the re re Republican Party as a whole would be to go with Nikki Haley, because frankly, I think she beats Joe Biden. And, uh, I agree. And, you know, um, and I'm going to say this, I think there are a number of Democrats um, and many independents who, who, who will take who will take the bet on on Nikki Haley and figure that we're ahead of the game. Well, um, the the problem, and just it, it it I don't like to throw my hands up, 
uh, about this. But the problem is, is that the Trump supporters, all right, are beyond are beyond looking at things in a logical in a logical manner. That's it, pure and simple. And that's why it's it's not a foregone conclusion. But as we as we speak today, it, it looks like that hardcore hardcore support for Trump is not really eroding. No. And I don't think it's going to erode if these trials start. Well, it, it won't erode with this. What do you what do you estimate his hardcore support at in terms of what the electorate is? Joe, what, what would you wager? The national electorate, not not national just the Republican. Or just the GOP. National election. Net, well, I would say GOP because it's going to basically come down to that to get the nomination. What do you think his hardcore support is? What percentage? Within the GOP, I think it's probably between 40 and 45 percent. And what well, do you what do you think I nationally? Was, I was I was well, I'll let Joe answer the question first. Nationally, I mean in a in a in a Trump Biden election vacuum. Um, I think I think forty percent of the national electorate would vote for him no matter what happens in these trials or anything. Okay. Now, Eddie, I just to get back to your point with Nikki Haley, I agree with you that she would basically appeal to a lot of independents. She would appeal to a lot of Democrats, and I think she would appeal to suburban Republicans who forsake, who forsook the, 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 the GOP in the last few election cycles. Um, you know, I definitely think she's the strongest Republican candidate, you know, uh, it would win, win and walk. Uh, I, th I, I think I'd breathe a sigh of relief you know, for democracy, because I think her value system would is is in tune with democracy. Uh, I, you know, I, I have to say though that if the if Mr. Koch is giving her campaign seventy five million dollars, he's going to expect a new tax bill that's going to basically help and resonate with him and his donors. You know, the people who he would push to donate to her campaign. That's the only downside I see to it. Uh, I see it as a, uh, uh, I see America averting the cliff of authoritarianism, you know, uh, because I do think it's it's going to be a scary election and the most pivotal election of our, our lifetime. Let's put it that way. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. And I think that, that many of us now uh, are, are thinking, uh, just like you said, uh, the issue, the issue is is really, really bigger than than um, Democrat and Republican. The issue, the issue is, um, do we want to maintain uh, our democracy as we know it, uh, and not be subject, not be subject to uh, someone who clearly uh, does not, has not in his entire career played by the rules. Well, who who would have thought that the person whose university was shut down as a fraud and whose charity was shut down as a fraud might possibly be fraudulent in their business too? It's mind blowing. 
You know, it's extraordinary how it's extraordinary how a lot of these things, as is typical uh, in our in our country, are forgotten. <laughs> um, because frankly, you brought up that about Trump University, and no one talks about it. No one talks about um, uh, his foundation. His, also, <laughs> correct, correct the charitable found, correct, and it doesn't get it doesn't it doesn't uh, any sort of play. But I'm sorry to say that with these hardcore Trump supporters. And really, I think the Democrats should stop using the term MAGA, by the way. That's not helping either, I don't think. Um, these hardcore Trump supporters uh, are, not going, are not going to be uh, persuaded to go somewhere else. You know, I just see ominous signs uh, on the periphery. And, and one is that, you know, I read this morning that Elon Musk has let Alex Jones back on X, you know, former Twitter, you know, I, I mean, it's uh, this is two weeks after his retweeting all those anti-Semitic uh, things. I mean, this is he went to Israel to try and 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 clear up any misconception <laughs> that that he was anti-Semitic, which went over like a lead balloon. I'm sure with uh, he didn't go to see Netanyahu. He went to see the president of Israel who doesn't have that kind of clout. Uh, right. You know, it's 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 scary stuff. I mean, Alex Jones, I mean, uh, and the fantasies that that he spun that these people believe in. I mean, it's the end of truth as we know it. Elon, Elon Musk is is an egocentric nut. Yeah. And and has got a tremendous amount of play in the mainstream media, uh, which, frankly, is. Um, mostly undeserved. And this has been going on for a substantial period of time now. And I really, I really don't know what, I really don't know what the answer to that is, I, but I've I, always been, I've, I've always, I've always been amazed that Elon Musk has, has gotten the uh, publicity and notoriety uh, on a daily basis um that he's been getting but that that's me no i eddie i i i think that he's a very powerful man he had a business model with tesla that's 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 worked out but truthfully i believe what he's doing with x or former twitter is going to run it into the ground i mean you know that that'll cease to be an entity i don't even think you have trump on it i mean trump is just uses his own platform he doesn't he hasn't posted anything on it you know, even since Musk basically said he would allow him back on, you know? Right, right. So I guess, but that's the jealousy among billionaires or full billionaires. Well, I mean, well that's a very good point, Billy. You're right. You're right. You know, it's it seems to be a pissing match between the two of them. But one is an actual billionaire and the other one that remains in doubt. Well, the <laughs> other one is about to lose a lot of money in the New York civil case. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't think his cash flow can afford that either. To be truthful, with you. also the political fallout to something like that. I think that that's going to have to impact some of his base, and if not his base, independence. You know, so it, it remains to be seen. Um, 
I'm really hoping, I mean, I know we were planning to discuss mostly legal issues when we're discussing political ones, which of course is but they're well, intertwined. connected and intertwined. But um, I'm really hoping, honestly, looking at some of these polls, a poll just came out that Trump is ahead of Biden in Georgia and Michigan, which of course would be devastating to Biden if that were the way that would go on election day. That right now people are just not really engaged yet in in the election. Um, uh, I mean, I, I have that because, like you said, so if it was somebody like Nikki Haley, and the the biggest problem is something like a, a coke backed tax cut, then that's a policy difference between people on on each side. But with Trump, we're talking about an existential crisis, really. As as both of you kind of alluded to about whether we still have a democracy or not, and and that's uh, that's quite a different thing for to think that people in all these states are right now on board with ending American democracy as we've known it for 240 years because they would like their milk and eggs to be a little bit cheaper is too much for me to to really. Uh, comprehend and bear right now. Well, that's going to be the point, Joe. I, I kind of think that uh, things will start to become, will clarify in, in the summer when it's a two-man race. Because I assume that the first debate will be held in the summer of 2024, if not a little bit before, maybe even in the spring. So as the choices whittle down, I, I do think that, uh, you know, positions, voter positions are going to basically start to solidify. Well, I, I'm I, sorry. I know. I, I just want to I just want to add something to about the polling now. Um, and and we, we had discussed this earlier. Uh, these polls that are not including the third party candidates. Um, I'm not sure that they're they're entirely uh, accurate as to what could happen. Um, I know you you and I were discussing prior to us going on air uh, the situation in in a state like Pennsylvania, um, and what if, what the third party candidates might do in a in a state like Pennsylvania, and and that. Contrary to what a lot of people think, and I'm not speaking for you, Billy, but um, these third-party candidates can hurt Trump as much or more as as they hurt Biden. Um, and and just on 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 another subject that you you brought up, and it got me thinking when you mentioned the debates. Um, in the summertime between the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee, I can't help but be concerned about how President Biden is going to appear uh, at, at debates. This has been a concern of mine for, for, for a while and and I think it's, in my opinion, it's a legitimate concern. I, I think it's a legitimate concern, um, you know, because you have a man of who would be 82 years old, number one. He is halting in his walking 
sometimes his, you know, he'll, he, he has always been gaff ridden, you know, with uh, saying the wrong thing at the wrong he's time. He's always been gaff ridden and he's always had a stutter, which is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, but I, but I honestly believe when, you know, I think that you're talking about a man who is approaching potential senility and a man who is basically insane. And I think that, yeah. this, you know, who happens to be three years younger yeah. than, than this guy, uh, who's grossly overweight, you know, who, no one's going to tell me that, that he's in peak condition, like that doctor that he basically, some doctor from Morristown, basically yeah. supposedly <laughs> gave him a physical <laughs> and pronounced him. And, and look, He's I know lost a ton of weight, according to his last. Yeah, I know what two fifteen looks like because I'm not far from that. I'm at about two ten, and 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 Donald Trump is not two hundred fifteen pounds. Well, I'm I'm the same height as Donald Trump, and I'm two thirty, so I know <laughs> what that does look like. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've seen him in that golf cart, you know, and I got to tell you, he's wearing a nice spare tire around that waist underneath that golf shirt. <laughs> But I think you're right that it, it is concerning what President Biden is going to look like at those debates. You know, perception is very powerful in, yep. in elections. I, we talked even last time we spoke, Bill, about the economy is getting better, but the perception is still that it's very it's in bad shape. And recent polls back that up, that people don't feel that the economy is doing much better than it was a few months ago. I mean, perception matters significantly. And Joe Biden is not going to look good on a debate stage come the summer, I don't it, think. It, it, these are some of the, the numbers with regard to what uh, the, the Biden campaign is not gaining traction on. You know, you have unemployment after that jobs thing came out at 3.7%, which is historically low. Yeah. They created 14 million jobs since he's been president, which is the sum total of all the last three Republican uh, presidencies. They, they basically didn't do anything near that fact. He had a, a, a headwind that basically was killing the economy with regard to supply chain and, and the recovery from COVID. Um, you, have, you have basically unemployment uh, uh, inflation down to 3.6%. You know, uh, you have infrastructure jobs all over the place, much to the chagrin of commuters like myself, but that money's being well spent on good jobs. You have, you have income up 4.7%, which is outpacing inflation right now. And I saw gas, I bought gas yesterday for $2.93 a gallon in Union County. It was right by me also up in Bergen yeah. County. I mean, and it is going, you know, it's interesting. It's going down in spite of OPEC still cutting back. Uh, and it's it's going down because the administration put an emphasis on clean energy, but yet it's a two double-edged sword. They've also done more drilling than Trump did. And Trump said he's going to drill, drill, drill. I mean, there's a, I can see why the left is not as pleased with the Biden administration, and especially too with Israel. But uh, I, I, you know, these things are all boding well because they're tabletop issues, you know, and, uh, it, but do they matter? Do facts matter? <laughs> you know, 
And you're right. Marshall McLuhan was right. The media is the message. You know, why did uh, John F. Kennedy beat Richard Nixon? Because he was more telegenic. I mean, that was a toss-up. And a little shenanigans in, in Chicago and West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, which one was harder? Kennedy stealing uh, Illinois in 1960 or Bush stealing Florida in 2000? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just had a great conversation with a very dear friend of mine who looks at the world from the ins and the outs. And that's what politics is all about. It, it doesn't matter the label Republican or Democrat, but he looks at the, the lessons he's learned in Hudson County politics, which I kept telling him yesterday, you can't transfer that. He goes, don't you think the dead still vote? <laughs> and it's a national issue. Now, the, the, the Justice Department of Donald Trump found that not to be the case. And it was declared the cleanest election. But to a certain degree, Hudson County is not part of the union when it comes to that stuff. And I don't doubt that, uh, you know, the, you know, some voting fraud does go on. It, it certainly has in Hudson County. So especially in my hometown, Jersey City, <clears throat> you know, the, the no election is ever done until the, the cemetery in North Arlington is basically heard from. <laughs> But again, I'm I'm looking forward to the 2024 election as a traditional conservative um, who voted for John McCain and Mitt Romney. And um, but this is I, I don't see this, as we've said, as a as a policy election <coughs> really about democratic republicanism versus authoritarianism and which stand, side you stand on. And the fact that it seems right now, again, I. I know polls a year out from an election are not accurate. They don't always tell us everything. Just ask President Ben Carson or President Hillary Clinton. But I mean, the idea that 45% of people right now are on board with, oh yeah, I would vote for the authoritarian because uh, I, I think things were a little bit cheaper when he was president or whatever. Well, the other guy's too old. <laughs> well, the other guy who's two years older than him is too old is yeah. is abhorrent to me as, as somebody um, I think personally, and I want to get the judge's opinion on this. Um, I think that Donald Trump should be disqualified based on the 14th Amendment. I know there have been cases there brought are, about that. Yeah, there are. There are. That's that's a that's a very that's a very difficult legal question. Uh, you know, if you if you want to examine the legislative intent. Uh, Clearly, it was not. It was not aimed at uh, a situation um, like Donald Trump on January sixth. It was really legislation or uh, an amendment that was passed because of the Civil War. Yeah, I mean that's my area of expertise historically. Uh, you're, uh, yeah, you're. I know that. Joe, I, I do appreciate that. I've got my Frederick Douglass and the Black legislators of Reconstruction yeah. on today. <laughs> so so I, I, I don't think we, we uh, can rely on, on the 14th Amendment argument to disqualify uh, Trump. Ultimately, I thought it was I interesting, though, that the judge in Colorado, in her ruling, said he engaged in an insurrection but we're going to leave it up to the voters to decide if right um, right that wasn't that was well 
it, it, it was that was an interesting decision, I, I, I must say. To include that in the ruling is I thought was uh, yeah. Well, she opened the door to almost to left ground appeal. for appeal on the yeah. on the um, leave him off the ballot side to say, well, the judge said he engaged in insurrection, therefore, isn't the um, remedy for that to disqualify him from the ballot. But of course, to make a to make a bold to make a bold statement that he was involved uh, in insurrection without ever affording right never being tried um, for that yeah correct correct you see so I I, I mean he's got I, an appeal built into that that was prejudicial right although the January sixth case if it goes forward on schedule. Again, we, we've talked a little bit about that might change. Um, <coughs> would it be trying him for that, essentially? Um, and if he's convicted, I mean, Chris Christie made this point the other day. I don't remember if he said it in the debate, but certainly with Dana Bash after the debate. If Donald Trump is convicted in the January 6th case prior to the election, he won't, I believe, have the right to vote in Florida as a convicted felon, and yet he'll be running for president of the United States. Well, once we get once again, Joe, we get into the situation about the appellate process. Yeah. That conviction, that conviction isn't going to be uh um a, a bar for him to uh vote until it goes through the entire appellate process. See I wasn't, these sure, I wasn't sure how Florida operated on that on that question. So I appreciate you clarifying well, that. Well, I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure how Florida operates either, but I'm I'm I would be confident in saying yeah. that he would still be able still be able to to vote. The sad part about it is that um, whether he could vote or not in the election, I don't know how much effect that's going to have on his uh, on his hardcore. I, hardcore. I agree. But it keeps it keeps going back to that, Joe. Yeah, you know it does, and and. Um, it's you know what you to just slightly digress. You know what's a really scary um, proposition would be if Trump were to win the presidential election and the Republicans also controlled the Senate and the House of Representatives. And I think that this I think that this election for the House of Representatives that's coming up could be very crucial as to the course our country takes. And maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but I, I'm I I would be very, very concerned if there was one party government uh, in Washington. So I don't know what you guys think about that. I would, you know, I would say from a historical point of view, I can only think of one House election as significant. Um, and that was the 1862 House election when Abraham Lincoln had just issued the preliminary emancipation proclamation. And uh the question was really whether the union would continue the union war effort 
or if mm-hmm. the Democrats would take control of the House and force some kind of concessions to the South in order to end the war when Robert E. Lee was doing well on the battlefield in 1862. Uh, that one I often point to in history class as the most important house election in American history. And I think you're right that this one is approaching that, that bar. Well, you know, I, you think it'll be a winner take all situation. You know, I do think the house is going to flip back to the the Democrats. It's trending that way, especially to after Santos and the, the defections of the two other two Republicans one but Bill, you, you think if Donald Trump wins the presidential election, the House would still go Democratic? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it would. Uh, I'm not sure about the Senate. I think the Senate might flip, but I have more confidence that the House revert back to being, you know, um, it would be government in exile to a certain degree with uh, if Trump basically got in. But uh, I, that's that's my prediction, and that's the one way out. But I, I think that the House went to the Republicans primarily because of those five races in New York that were traditionally Democratic. And I'm not so sure they're going to vote that uh, Republican uh, coming up. You know, it was gratified to see that uh, Tom Swazi came to his senses and is basically going to run for his old seat again. Had he run, and I, he did an honorable thing. He wanted to be governor. So he didn't want to basically sit in that seat and run for governor. And, um, you know, governor didn't work out, <clears throat> but the, you know, he's, he's back in the race and I think he's a very viable and strong candidate, you know, to win that seat. I think th- this whole talk about impeaching the impeachment inquiry for the Republicans is going to backfire on them. Uh, I don't, I do think that that, if you look at most of impeachment talk, it only increased the popularity of the other party. And I think that a lot of Republican, a lot of Democrats are going to be feigning indignation when privately they're ecstatic that this is going to take place because it just shows you that the Republicans can't go, especially in the Congress, and they feel like this is an important issue. Um, and I, I don't, I think it's going to backfire on them. That's why I'm staking some of that prediction of uh, the, the Congress uh, going back to the Democrats even if, God forbid, Trump won. Can we, can we talk about something that we all have a stake in this evening? Ed is an ardent Giant fan. I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. And Joe, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and that, that was shocking yesterday that the Bears beat your Detroit Lions. It wasn't shocking to me. We've played we oh. against mobile quarterbacks all year. Uh, well, it's... Uh, Ed, what do you think about tonight? I think that Green Bay is a six and a half point favorite. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a little worried about that because it's it's here. I, think, I mean, I, I I think honestly the Giants the Giants have a have a chance in the game tonight. I agree. I agree. I think they have a chance, but I hate to say it, as a Lions fan, thought this was finally going to be a year for us to do something. But having lost yesterday with four games left, if the Packers do beat the Giants tonight, I, w- I would actually make the Packers the favorite to win the division, despite oh, the fact no. they would be two games behind. Because the, I, Lions, the Lions, I, the Cowboys remaining. Oh. 
We have the Broncos remaining who are not a pushover this year. They're battling with the Chiefs for that division right now. And then we have two against the Vikings. So either I we would have to win, we would have to sweep the Vikings, beating them twice in three weeks, or split with the Vikings and beat the Broncos because we're not going to beat the Cowboys. Because if the Packers win out the rest of the year, the Packers have a pretty cakewalk schedule remaining um, after the Giants this week. They've got the Bucks. They've got the Charlotte Panthers. Panthers. Um, the, the the Packers have a realistic chance of winning out. For they the have the Bears and they have the Vikings. Yeah, they yeah. have the Bears the last game of the year. The Lions need to win two of their four remaining games. They're not going to win against the Cowboys in all likelihood, so they've got to win two out of three in that scenario to, well, to put off the Packers. Here's, here's my thinking. First of all, I'm playing with house money. Uh, I'm ecstatic that at this point of the year we're 6-6, six and six, the Green Bay Packers. I think that love has improved, especially in the last five weeks, and that's important. Uh, I, I said goodbye to a Hall of Fame quarterback that was phenomenal for the Green Bay Packers, but I think it was a little biblical justice four plays in that he wound up on the disabled list. But the guy's a Hall of Famer, but I was happy that, that basically all the drama has left Green Bay, and we're a very young team. Well, so another time we can talk us. about whether you think Aaron Rodgers is lying about what his injury was. Uh, yeah, I, I, probably. Probably, I don't think anybody. Just like, just like he lied about his vaccination status. Um, oh, you mean that he was immunized? <laughs> because if not, why are we not celebrating this miracle cure for a torn Achilles tendon yeah. that he supposedly suffered? Well, that would have to mean that the Jets are complicit with this too. But uh, I, Eddie, I am uh, all aboard happy about Tommy DeVito because Tommy DeVito is the ultimate mamoni. Do you know what a Mamoni is? Yeah. It's, a, it's an Italian male who lives with his parents. Oh, yeah, Mama. Yeah. Something, <laughs> like a, something like a Mama Luca. He's, he's, he's Johnny Camareri from Moonstruck. Yeah, Moonstruck. You know? Great movie. Great movie. He yeah, says, I don't yeah. even make my own bed. My mother makes it, and you know she makes my favorite meal, chicken palm. I have a good friend who coached him at Don Bosco. Say he's a wonderful kid, but his parents are crazy. <laughs> no, I'm happy. I'm happy to see him playing for the yeah. Giants and doing well. I, I I must say. You know, even if he doesn't challenge, you know, who knows what the Giants quarterback's going to be next year? I like I like uh, Daniel Jones personally, but uh, if he doesn't, I think this Devito kid is going to be around the NFL for about 15 years as a backup. He's going to make pretty damn good money too. So uh, I, I think it's a great story. Uh, and I, I, I have, uh, I believe that, you know what, if I'm not betting against my team, but six and a half points is a lot. The Packers don't beat teams up. I mean, they, they don't, they win close games. So uh, I think those six and a half points are pivotal. And, and yeah, could the Giants pull an upset? Absolutely. You know, Shaquan could go nuts tonight, you know? And by the way, if you, if you want to discard him next year, I'd take him in Green Bay. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this about the Jets also and talk about quarterbacks and backups. You know, they sat all year trying to find another quarterback because Wilson clearly wasn't the guy. Um, and, yeah, he played well this weekend. But it sure looks like Joe Flacco still has it, and they had him. Yeah. Years, and now he's going to be going to the playoffs probably with the Cleveland Browns. 
And uh, yeah. Joe Benigno, Joe Benigno hates the guy because of what he did as a backup with the Jets. I mean, uh, and by the way, Joe Benigno was the story in New York sports this week. I mean, what was Robert Sala thinking, the head coach of the Jets, texting him or, or saying, you know, you know, he, this guy basically is semi-retired. I listen to him all the time. I like him. And uh, he comes up with the biggest sports scoop that he's texting back and forth and playing golf with the Jets head coach, who I think put the nail in. Maybe he didn't put the nail in his, own, in his casket. Maybe, maybe Salah resurrects himself by winning out or something like that. You know? uh, and the other kid, that, that quarterback's playing for a job somewhere next year. I mean, uh, if it's not with the Jets, it, it, you know, he, he's going to sign with somebody. He's got some skills, too. Yeah. I don't I think he's poorly coached. So... Let's enjoy the high drama of the NFL season these next few weeks. Uh, a little bit of a respite from the high drama of whether we'll still have a government in a year um, or whether our former president will be going to prison anytime soon. Um, but uh, thank you both for joining us. I have another class that's about to come in. Uh, but I appreciate all the listeners out there. And uh, we hope that you'll send us in your questions and your thoughts on what we've discussed today. And tune in again soon for another episode of Wigs for Wigs. Take care, everybody. <laughs>